Hi, this is Marcus in North Carolina, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dalimore, even though I'm on this episode. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalimore. Alright, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, episode 481 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined today, as I always am, by the lovely, the talented, scholarly, and some other things, Brittany Page. Always. Rain or shine. I'm here. Scholarly rain or shine, or just here rain or shine? Just here, ready to work. (laughs) Scholarly comes and goes. So this episode is going to be a little different if you're, if you're just joining us. Uh, I will probably pronounce words better than I just did Hopefully. going forward. That, that's, that's the hope. That's we can the only plan. Mm-hmm. Not the expectation, yeah. but it's what we're going to effort toward. Uh, it's going to be different because we have run a contest yes. from our, for our Patreon supporters mm-hmm. in which we offered one willing participant. Yep. We drew names mm-hmm. out of a hat, or we did it electronically this time. Yeah. And uh, we are joined uh-huh. by, it's kind of weird calling him a contest winner. Yeah. But we are joined by Marcus from North Carolina, longtime loyal Patreon supporter, and hopefully a listener to the program. Yeah. Marcus, how are you? Thank you for joining us and also for your longstanding patience and support of the show. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. And uh, yes, I am a willing participant. I'm not here against my will. <laughs> it's like uh, in court when uh, when they're asking about their plea agreement. They're like, has anybody pressured you, threatened you, or promised you anything? Uh-huh. Are you making this, this guilty plea free? Yeah, everything relates to court now that Jesse is on the grand jury. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. We don't hear that. It's not That's not something we hear on the grand jury. Oh, well, it's just constant relating oh, yeah. everything to court now. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, let's orient the audience a little bit to who Marcus is. Um, Marcus, you don't need to give your biography, but... Uh, Fuck wh- that. I want a biography right now. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are? Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I've been listening for, I don't know, a few years, three, four years. Mm-hmm. Well, wow. this podcast has been going. I'm not even sure. Um so, but uh, yeah, I I, uh, I am kind of a nerd uh, that Jesse likes to tease me about. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> That's a term um, of endearment. It really is a term of endearment. Yeah. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, I'm uh, I'm an engineer um, working working uh, be it, being nerdy at work and at home. Um, and uh, in my free time, I I enjoy lots of podcasts and. Um, and, and I like to uh, read a lot about a number of topics. And one of them is um, uh, having beliefs based strongly in evidence, um, which is part of the reason why I like this show, because you guys seem to uh, seem to agree with that. Yes. We try. Yes, we do try. It can be pretty difficult at times, um, but, but we try our best. Why are you looking across the table at me with the crook eye? <laughs> well, with the fucking crook eye? 
well, it can be difficult sometimes. Elbow, elbow, <laughs> nudge, nudge. There's just a lot. I'm of, looking at you, Dollamore. There's just a lot of emotionality on the other end of the table at times. That that's okay. That's that's actually kind of a um, something I like about the show is Jesse says what I feel and Brittany says what I think. <laughs> wow, I don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> for me. I mean it. I mean it as complimentary as possible. <laughs> So I I was telling Jesse before we had Marcus on the show, when we learned that Marcus was coming on the show, I love this show called Life and Times of Tim. And it's no longer a show anymore, but it was on HBO years ago. I don't know how many years at this point, but it's no longer available. So if you're going to go look for it on HBO Go, it's not there. I don't know what happens. Probably a falling out, something controversial. Yeah, there's probably clips on the YouTube. Yeah, well, you can go buy the DVDs or something. Um, but it's a great show. It's a cartoon, and there was a scene in particular that I really love from the show, where the main character Tim is sitting down with a woman from HR. He's in trouble at work for giving a finger gun and a wink to another employee, and the employee was named Marcus. And I needed this clip, so we're gonna play the whole clip and also introduce a new drop on the show for you guys it's really exciting we need to talk tim okay i understand you made a threatening gesture toward marcus in it i'm not aware of that well apparently you made your hand into the shape of a gun and pretended to shoot him in the face are you talking about this when i go like that yes tim that well, resembles a, a gun that's a friendly greeting that's i wink and i do that okay so this is how you interpret a friendly <laughs> greeting hello marcus i'm going to blow your head off <laughs> I'll just wave next time. I think that would be more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm mostly talking about the Hello Marcus part. Hello Marcus. There we go. New drop on the show just for Marcus. Just for today. I don't know that that's going to play going <laughs> forward. No, I think it will play. I think we'll just give an occasional shout out to Marcus during random Hello, points Marcus. in the show. So we'll. Re- I'm in favor of it. Let's just <laughs> let's just replace this. Bravo. With Hello Marcus. <laughs> it doesn't I don't really... know about that. I, I like Wayne on the show too. So. <laughs> Uh, competing interests. Well, yep. uh, listen again. Uh, you know, I don't want to be too uh, too ass kissy, but we we really do uh, appreciate you, Marcus. We um, not just the fact that you are a Patreon supporter, which is fantastic, but uh, the loyalty to the show, the listening yeah. to the show, mm-hmm. the spreading the word as much word as can be spread. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, Gets me, gets me right there. Yeah, I'm we appreciate it. Gesturing toward my, my, my uh, pulmonary area. Yeah, yeah. We're Your happy to have you on. Yeah. We're happy to have you on. Yeah. Yep. I'm again. I'm happy to be here, and you know, it's it's value for value. I get value out of the show, so happy to give some back. All right. So let's jump in to some listener communication. We have an email that I want to read first um, about Tulsi Gabbard. Well, let's. Let's also preface uh, the listener communication by this is kind of like part two from episode 480 because the whole episode last time was just listener communication. We ended up getting in a little deeper to the Gillette ad than we thought we were. Mm -hmm. So this is all from from last time. Yes. So J and B, and I will add Marcus onto the email as well um, because Brett number two did not know Marcus would be here. That's right. And we were reading it. I just finished listening to your latest episode regarding Tulsi Gabbard and this Dave 
Weigel tweet, Weigel, I don't know which way, really highlighted some of what you were discussing. Sure, if we are going to question the records of newer, shinier candidates on now universally accepted liberal policies, e.g. LGBTQ rights, gun control, despicable Syrian dictators, then the records of Obama, Hillary, and other Dem candidates, favorites, big names who aren't exceptionally popular should be compared and contrasted as well. But the level to which these candidates supported or denounced certain positions, as Weigel points out regarding Gabbard's anti-gay stance, should not be disregarded. Attitudes can change, and some folks might be slower on the uptake to the changing world around them for reasons out of or in their control. But we need to give politicians to be role models. And role models should not be perfect human beings whose every belief aligns with ours, but rather should be able to show how their old beliefs were wrong and how they intend to right those wrongs. This ability to change should also be taken into account when discussing policies that are newer to the mainstream discourse like universal health care, free tuition, and stupid steel slats. Mind you, Gabbard's positions on both LGBTQ rights and al-Assad are so extreme that they are disqualifying for me. Even if she were to do an about-face on them, she is not yet far enough removed from her positions. I just fear that if we are looking for perfection in a Dem 2020 candidate, we will end up tearing each candidate down without giving them a chance to atone for previous mistakes, leaving the door open to the most flawed candidates to whip up a base and hijack the seat. It is almost as if we have seen that before. That is all for now. I hate that I'm already writing about 2020 candidates (laughs) and a candidate who likely stands very little chance to win the nomination. But the discourse always runs the risk of spiraling out of control before the conversations even start. Hope you all are enjoying the new year in your beautiful, sunny California weather. Allison and I are sleeping in masks, not the good kind, so we can stop circulating the Northeast flu. Bitterly, Brett number two. Not the good kind. I don't even want to talk about anything else. What is a good kind of mask? Maybe like a... Like a Halloween mask? Like a sheet mask. Like the plastic kind of mask with the little slit for the mouth that you cut your tongue on when you're a little kid? No, like a self-care pampering mask. You think that's the kind of mask he's referring to being a good mask? Well, that would be a good mask, wouldn't Hmm. it? Maybe he's a kinky guy and he's like the gimp mask. Yeah. (laughs) There we go. Zed's dead. That's the answer. So, little uh, little inside movie baseball reference for those who probably probably everybody got it. Anyway, so here's here's what I think about this. One, I hope that we can, as liberals or progressives or the Democratic Party, can maintain a normal level of well let's say this i hope that we can curtail the outrage machine that happened relative to tulsi gabbard when she came out to to run for office mm-hmm. i think i th- there's a way to to pick apart her positions without completely demonizing her cuz she's still a congresswoman mm-hmm. she still represents americans and for the most part, her positions are good. She is a no for me, just like Brett number two. Mm-hmm. I like what he said about her. she's not far removed enough yet from her bad positions. Mm-hmm. Um, but the process that we're going into is to find the most suitable 
slash most electable candidate. And she's not there. That's not her. So it sounds like you're taking issue with primarily the heightened emotionality that went into discussing her record and reacting to it, but not necessarily the actual discussing the record. Yeah, I think so. Although, I mean, I think the audience knows that there are... when, When we're talking about human rights... That's look, it's not tax policy. Mm-hmm. It's not economics. We're talking about fucking human rights here. I give a lot more runway room, a lot more uh, headroom for for people to freak out over over fucking human rights. I don't know. Yeah, Marcus, what do you think? Do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, you know, this is definitely the time to be vetting uh, people between now and the end of the primary. Um, and let's let's do it well, so we have a strong, inspiring candidate. Um, and then after the primary, we we coalesce around that candidate, right? Um, <clears throat> and I, I would agree that I I find her her past views to be concerning. Um, and I wonder if her change is legitimate, or if it's um, uh, more just because that's what she has to say in order to to get the nomination. Yeah. Um, and it's it's it'd be a difficult. Thing. I can't. We we can never read her mind or anyone else's. So it's it's very difficult. Um, I also am particularly concerned because this is mainly, it seems, coming from her father's viewpoints, um, who he's kind of one of these hardcore Catholic theocrats, um, which is a very concerning viewpoint um, in my mind. Um, and I and I wonder just um, how far removed uh, from his views hers actually are. So that's, that's my concern with her. But in the end, if, you know, she's looking like a pretty weak candidate going in, she probably won't win the primary. So. It probably doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. And she was on with Jake Tapper today, actually, on his State of the Union show. And she was both sizing it with the government shutdown, which was really interesting because um, that is what Republicans are trying to do as well. Right. Both sides are to blame. Well, not really. They're blaming the Democrats, but some Republicans are right. They need to come together. They need to negotiate. They need to reopen the government. And uh, Mike Pence tried to pull this with Chris Wallace, too, um, today, where Mike Pence was like, listen, all these federal workers are out of work and it's such a problem and chris wallace said yeah but you could open the government tomorrow so like if you're so worried about that why don't you do it but tulsi gabbard jesse you made the comment who is she appealing to with her both sides are responsible in this government shutdown yeah who's who's her constituency there i i I don't i don't uh, i don't understand it yeah so i think she has some things she needs to work out and We'll see what happens. She'll probably be on the B team debates because um, there's going to be so many candidates. I don't even know if she'll make it that far. You don't think that long? Yeah, she'll end up dropping out again. I think she's trying to raise her profile. I, I think I said that last time. Everybody when we take about note. Her. Uh, I, I I do think it's odd because first of all, let's just get it out of the way very quickly that the Democrats in the ha- in the House have voted seven or eight times already to reopen the government. So they they have a bill. They they've done it. So it's absolutely Republicans. It's absolutely Donald Trump and the missing Mitch McConnell. Yeah, where'd he go? <laughs> He's hiding under his desk, sucking his thumb, I think. <laughs> so and they, they passed the Senate bill that the Senate Republicans already passed last term. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. So it, it, they passed a Republican-friendly... Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, uh, but then Ann Coulter came out. The one that they out. were okay with before Ann Coulter. Sorry, I stepped Yeah, down. right. Exactly. That's right. The yeah. one that, that's exactly right. The one that uh, when when Ann Coulter took to Twitter or whatever, yeah. and and goaded, you know, 
freaked freaked Donald Trump out. Did you guys see that she attacked him again after he came out and did his speech on Saturday, yesterday, um, where she said, we voted for Trump and we got Jeb. (laughs) Wow. She is a horrible, horrible woman. I don't know if you know. I know you really like her. And I know you love (laughs) her, Marcus. No, no. I know Marcus really loves Ann Coulter. (laughs) But I'm I'm just not a fan. I'm more of a man of the people. You know what I mean? You guys are extreme in your love for Ann Coulter. (laughs) I mean, calling someone Jeb, that's going too far. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking low energy Jeb. So uh, I hope that... um, I think that was a, a decent discussion. Brett number two will have to weigh in whether or not that answers the question or or got to the to the root of, of what he was uh, talking about. Yeah. What kind of mass he likes. Yeah, that's really that's what I'm more concerned about. <laughs> uh, let's do you got another email or should we move to the to the bar hearing call from Jeremy in Kansas? Let's do the bar hearing. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. It's Jeremy in Kansas. Um, I've been under the weather all day, so I've been watching the uh, bar hearings and I realized I could probably just Google this and answer it for myself, but I thought it might be a decent topic for you. Um, you know, hearing him answer all the questions that appear to be positive, um, you know, if you're if you're liberal, him saying things like he's not going to be bullied by the president, um, he thinks uh, Mueller is a stand-up guy, you know, all those things sound good, uh, at least for the, the uh, Russia investigation. I'm not sure about his... Um, stance on immigration, but, you know, one of the major concerns is that uh, we're going to get a new AG in there and uh, they're going to pull the plug on the Russian investigation. So everything I'm hearing him say sounds pretty good, but what is to stop him from saying all this stuff just to get the post and then motherfucking everybody, uh, turning around and just putting a, a stop to everything? I mean, is there anything in place that would say, okay, look, you lied at the hearings and therefore we're going to, we're going to take away uh, you, you cannot be the AG any longer. Um, granted, at that point, the Russian investigation already be done if he pulls a plug on it. But is there anything preventing him from being able to just have a bold face lie and do an about face and and uh, like I said, motherfuck everybody? That's all I got. Thanks a lot. Can't wait to listen. Wow. Thanks a lot. Can't wait to listen. Fuck you guys. I hope that Jeremy <laughs> feels better because he sounds sick and depressed. He does sound a little depressed. <laughs> well, it's probably watching the hearing all day while you're sick. That can't help the emotional state. <laughs> right? Uh, how does that make you feel? What are you doing Jeremy? right now? A therapy thing That's that you don't do. That's not what happens in Yeah, therapy. I know. It's a, it's, a, it's a meme of how therapists act. Okay, great. You're constantly asking me how that make me feel. I do not. <laughs> so, listen. I'm, I'm not... Shoulder to shoulder with people who are very freaked out about Barr and his nomination. One, we have, he's already been Attorney General of the United States. We have a track record. We know how he acted before. The other thing, well, let me just answer the question first. There is actually technically nothing stopping him except the threat of having lied under oath to Congress, because just about every senator has posed the question to him, will you pledge to us to not fire Mueller without cause? Mm -hmm. And he said, yeah, absolutely. So it would be perjury. Lying to Congress would be uh, a serious offense. The other thing is that the House has the power of impeachment. That's not just a power that comes along or is applied to the President of the United States. 
any of these ding-dongs can be impeached by the House. A Supreme Court justice can be impeached by the House and removed by the Senate. So he doesn't, He listen, he might disagree on policy. He might disagree on like serious policy issues, but I don't think he's a dishonorable man. The other thing is uh, he categorizes his friendship with Robert Mueller as close, that they are close friends, I believe, is is the exact uh, qualifier. So I, I, I don't really have a fear that he's going to, because if he motherfucks the country, as Jeremy so eloquently put it, I actually mm-hmm. really like that. Uh, <laughs> he's motherfucking his good buddy. I, I just don't see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I I certainly disagree with him on lots of stuff. He's, again, a theocrat and, you know, he's involved in pardoning Iran-Contra or officials in the the Iran-Contra scandal. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, all all sorts. He's a standard neoconservative. Yeah. He's sort of George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush style neoconservative. Um, And so obviously I'm going to disagree with him. Um, That said, he's legitimately qualified for the position. Unlike a lot of the know nothings that that Trump has has nominated to other positions, um, so that's pretty good, and it's probably the best we're going to get from this administration <laughs> in terms of nominees. Um, so I'm I'm not I'm not you know wailing and gnashing my teeth over it. Um, I would still I still think Democrats should oppose him on principle though. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to stop his nomination in the Senate. That's just not going to happen. Um, but I don't see that there's any reason to vote for him. Um, and I actually already wrote letters to my senators asking them to uh, to um, vote them down, but they're both Republicans. So do you do you think do you think that uh, in the process of, of voting against him, that Democrats should uh, let it be known that it's not over the Mueller thing, that it is over his positions, and that he's he's too extreme for the country today. Uh, well, there's that. And, and there are also, I mean, so, so the answer is yes. Um, but there's also other reasons um, regarding Mueller, like, because he, he wrote this super weird memo yeah. um, to the, um, to Rod the Justice Rosenstein. Department, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, to Rod Rosenstein. And, Rod, huh? Um, you guys yeah, are fucking he, first he, name basis. <laughs> Drinking <laughs> buddies. Marcus and Rod Rosenstein. Good times. Right. Yeah, we golf every weekend. Um, <laughs> but so this, this memo is super weird. So first off, um, uh, Bill Barr is a very highly paid attorney. Um, and I've heard estimates that it probably would have cost $100,000 of billable time um, for him to write this memo if you were you know, asked to do it. Um, so he, he did this of his own volition, gave up a whole bunch of his time for this. And then in the memo, he argues some really strange points with regard to obstruction of justice that that really doesn't um, doesn't make a lot of sense, and, and are frankly the arguments are I think dumber than he is. Um, so I'm a little <laughs> I still am concerned about him actually being um, you know upfront about some of this stuff. So well, and two two of the things that he wrote in that memo that has concerned Democrats is that he said the obstruction of justice aspect of the Mueller investigation was quote fatally misconceived. And then yes. he also said quote Mueller should not be permitted to demand that the president submit to interrogation about a- alleged obstruction. Okay, well let's let's put in context a little chronology here. He wrote this memo in summer of 2017. Mm-hmm. The Helsinki debacle, where, where, where Donald Trump demonstrated treasonous, dangerous behavior, was in 2018. So 
He wrote this memo young, early on in Donald Trump's presidency. I, I don't know that he, I don't know, and I'm not defending him here, but I, I don't know that he what can, he holds the same types of opinions as he did the day he submitted that memo mm-hmm. about obstruction, because we didn't really know fucking anything then. Certainly not anything compared to what we know now about Donald Trump and not just obstruction of justice, but also the conspiracy charge that's against him right now. Well, I think one thing is not charge, but, you know, the I use that colloquially. Yeah. Yeah. I think one thing is true that Donald Trump likely saw that memo and um, Barr's general statements right in his McDonald's stained underwear. And he was that's one way to put it. He he, (laughs) all right. He was very excited. That's my Donald Trump coming, everybody. That's enough. Um, Oh, Jesus. He he was very excited, as Jesse's illustrating, and then he watched Barr's testimony, and he probably thought, "Oh, what shit. the hell is yeah, this?" Right. <laughs> I heard reports that that was the case. Yeah, because he is good. But anyway, we're going to get to it. That's we have the cl- clip slated. But to answer your question very succinctly, J- Jeremy, I believe that what is stopping him is well going down in history as a Trump sycophant. Mm-hmm. A guy like this doesn't want that. Yes. So, I don't know. Anyway, thank you for the call. Thank you for the emails, everybody. We're going to move on. We appreciate them very much. We'd love to hear from you. Help us move the conversation forward. You can call 657-464-7609. Or, of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. You can also tweet at us at dollamore at Brittany E. Page and at I Doubt It Podcast. That's another way. Yes. To communicate. Absolutely. To connect. Mm. We love connection. We love it. No, no, no. <laughs> so I want to talk about, I, I saw this this article from uh, Popular Science, popsci.com, and it has a very ominous title. The anti-vax movement is among this year's top 10 global health threats, mm-hmm. air pollution and climate change, diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, uh, global influenza pandemic, fragile, vulnerable regions, antimicrobial resistance, Ebola, and other pathogens, weak primary health care, anti-vaccination movement, and then there's a whole bunch more. And uh, it really puts things in perspective about the dangerous times that we live, and A way to mitigate this list would be, it seems natural, to try to change the hearts and minds of our countrymen, of our our fellow passengers on the earth. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, I think going forward this year, we we all owe it to one another and to the planet and to the, the, the existential threat that each one of these things is to try to convince people to try to talk to people talk them out of the haze of ignorance you know yeah but we know that facts don't change people's minds and also don't care about your feelings Brittany. yeah exactly (laughs) and i know that marcus loves to read about sciencey things and he fucking nerd he he loves that stuff so i want to get marcus's take on some of this um about what 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 do you think is best in terms of talking to people about science issues and trying to improve the public's scientific understanding about these these global threats. <laughs> yeah, so this is definitely something that's that's important to me. 
um, uh, vaccines um, as, as a topic is, is almost kind of a trigger for me. It, it's um, when, when I meet someone who's anti-vax, it, it really bothers me. Um, <clears throat> and it's not just anti-vax, of course, there's other, um, other things in, in the area of science where the, where the, the scientific evidence and, and what the public believes about it are, are not uh, in line. And so things like climate change would be another topic. Uh, as well as um, genetically modified foods this mm -hmm. is another big one um, where those things don't line up. Uh, and uh, Stephen Novella, um, who is on uh, Skeptics at the Universe and blogs a ton, um, he has a personal blog uh, called Neurological Blog, where he talks about uh, uh, these types of topics sometimes. Um, and he had a recent one called GM Foods and Changing Minds, and it sort of talks about <clears throat> how we're um, trying to communicate, uh, what what is the best way to communicate um, and change minds on on these topics. Um, and the important thing, I think, if I was to try and um, summarize that for the, the audience, uh, is to understand that um, that understanding the source or the the reason why they don't you know believe uh, um, in a particular topic um, is going to be different depending on the topic. Um, but in general, we have to think about it in terms of narratives or stories. Mm -hmm. um, so these people are victims of active misinformation and they have built up a narrative in their mind about whatever it is, you know, the, <clears throat> the, the evil pharma companies or um, the, the evil climate change researchers. Oddly enough, it seems kind of weird to me, but that's an actual narrative that people believe in. Um, and so um, we, we can't just correct the misinformation. We have to... Um, uh, generate a, um, a new compelling narrative that is both true and aligns with the scientific facts, but also feels true um, in, in, the, in, in the sense that you may remember Stephen Colbert talked about truthiness as mm. sort of the gut feel of something, which may or may not <laughs> align with whether or not something is really true. Um, but the point is we have to come up with a new narrative that both is true and feels true in order to displace the old incorrect narrative. Yeah, I, I read the blog um, and I thought it was interesting that it talked about um, how a lot of people think that the problem here is really that knowledge deficit. They call it the knowledge deficit model. Um, yep. And when you look at Car someone like Carl Sagan, that's kind of what he was operating under. Like if we just teach people what they need to know, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that, not always yeah. the case. Yeah, but that we're finding that that's that's not always the case. And in some issues, there might be some knowledge deficit issues at play. But I think what you're saying, Marcus, is really important about the kind of making a story out of it. And in this blog, they even talk about the importance of like conversion messages where someone tells a story of what they used to believe, but then how their mind changed as they um, found new information. And that that can also be helpful in, in having people understand what they believe and that it's okay to believe something different. But as I was reading that, I was thinking of how we kind of stigmatize people changing their minds. Um, yeah. And that that almost feels like something that is difficult to do because you'll be judged for it. Um, yep. But I don't know. That's an idea that popped up for me. I, I, I yeah. I struggle with this because, well, one, I think that there is something to be said, but we shouldn't rely too heavily on that thought that uh, someone who you can't use evidence to convince someone who doesn't value evidence. However, I think if you, you we can't be a slave to that particular thought, and also coupled with that, we also can't expect instant results. 
You're not going to convince yeah. somebody over the course of one single Twitter conversation or Facebook argument. You, you got to plant a seed and then hope that others around or maybe you later can water that seed and feed it and have have it grow into something positive and uh, opinion changing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not the one because I'm terrible at this because I'm just an asshole. But, uh, you know, people like you, Marcus, and, and Brittany Page, you, you're, you're ambassadors for this kind of a thought and, and uh, challenge. So, well, uh, I could be an asshole too sometimes. <laughs> no, I'll be, I'll be fair. Um, and and I think on on your, um, I think I think the actual quote is uh, that I forget who said it exactly, um, but you know that they say you can't reason someone out of a position they didn't reason themselves into. Yeah. Um, and that's not right. That's not entirely true. The point is you have to first either convince them that they were being unreasonable or convince them to value reason. And then once you do either one of those two things, then you can start reasoning them out of their, their bad position. Easy um, as that, huh? Well, I didn't say it was easy. <laughs> I, I said, but the, the point is that you, you can't, you have to start off understanding uh, where they're coming from, how they evaluate um, their beliefs. You know, lots of people don't, don't sort of have this metacognition, this sort of conscious evaluation of, um, of what they um, of what they believe and why they believe it and, and helping them um, to see where their current approach can have um, can break down and, and lead them to to obviously false beliefs can help them sort of come out of that um, a little bit easier. And so there's a whole bunch of added legwork up front before you even get to the real issue. And that's that's why it's so challenging. Hello, Marcus. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that what you're saying, Marcus, is that step one really in in um, this approach is to fire off a comment and call someone a dumbass real quick. And then that's the that's step one, right? Uh, no, cocktard. <laughs> you want to you want to quickly motherfuck them on, yeah, yeah. on the Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You have to own them. That's right. <laughs> well, this also reminded me of a, a study that just came out this week um, in Nature, I believe. Yeah, Nature, Human Behavior. Um, extreme opponents of genetically modified foods know the least but think they know the most. Dunning-Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it's pretty... It's It's just a sad situation that we're in because, you know... Well, we're bombarded with stupidity. Yesterday at the goddamn grocery store... Brittany and I were checking out, and I see this magazine. Oh, yeah. What Doctors Don't Tell You is the name of the magazine. I actually looked it, looked it up. I was so furious about this. You know, doctors wanting to hide everything yeah, from you. medical professional, <laughs> people who dedicate their fucking lives to healing the sick mm-hmm. and infirmed. Oh, they, they got the cure. They're just not telling you. Yeah. And then... On the cover, you can go to my Facebook. I think I shared it to the to the Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, my life in my hands, inspiring stories of people who conquered incurable illnesses naturally. And do you want to list some of the diseases? Yeah, cancer, osteoarthritis, multiple sclerosis, angina, Lyme disease, Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. ulcerative colitis. Get the fuck out of here. That is dangerous. So I tweeted at Sprouts because it's a grocery store that they should be ashamed of themselves. This is this is uh, dangerous fucking propaganda. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, I was a little bit pissed off and apparently still am. So no <laughs> good. Yeah, there. Pisses me off, too. Uh, anyway, um, I think we can all do better, yeah. I, I think, is, is kind of the wrap there. For sure. Um, and I would challenge I'm going to challenge myself to do better. I don't know how much time 
or energy I have to like dedicating time to to Facebook to do it. And that's kind of where I interact with people. Mm-hmm. But we could certainly do a better job here uh, with the megaphones we have uh, in the way of microphones. Well, it reminds me of, and I don't know if you mind that we keep going with this, but it... it Are you asking me? Yeah, you're you're the boss. Um, yeah, it's your it, fucking show. It, do what it, you gotta do. It reminds me of this tweet that I saw and I'm gonna fuck it up, but they, they said, um, I, I took my daughter to preschool and they asked what religion she is. And I wrote, I don't, she hasn't figured it out yet. She's four. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that that was such a beautiful response, but we're, we're used to growing up in these environments where we inherit our beliefs from our parents. Yeah. And we, we come out of that most of us not really questioning a lot of those things that we were brought up to believe based on our life experiences, our parents' life experiences. And what should be happening is that we get into these classrooms, we start interacting with other people, we hear different perspectives, and that opens us up to new possibilities and new ideas, new facts, new evidence that should be accepted. It is not insulting to grow up and no longer hold the beliefs that you were raised with. Yeah. And and I think there might be some of that at play too where it is it's difficult to let go of these things and become different. What's well, scary because it's the unknown. You're walking into a, a, a space that you're un, that you're unfamiliar with. You're you're uncomfortable in. Yeah. Um I've certainly experienced that coming out of um conservatism, far right-wing nuttery mm-hmm. to where I am today. Um it is and this kind of brings us back to politics, but it, it definitely, I'm empathetic. I'm trying to choose my words here. I'm empathetic. You know, normally I don't choose my words. I just fucking blah, I go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm empathetic to to changing your, your view. Like when, it's one of the reasons why I challenge people not to freak out about Tulsi Gabbard because of the fact that I also once argued that what's next? We're going to have sex with our dogs? Are you going to marry your dog? Mm-hmm. I mean, I was that was, you know, decades ago. Mm-hmm. But if that disqualifies someone, then everyone should turn off their fucking podcatchers right now because I'm also in that club. Right. I certainly vehemently am opposed to those views now. And I was a stupid, stupid person mm-hmm. making those vile, hideous fucking arg- arguments. Mm-hmm. But we we have to give people space to change and not be so cynical Mm -hmm. to think that that's not real. They're not really changed. Because let me tell you, I'm fucking changed. I think differently now. Mm -hmm. Anyway. (laughs) Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. Dub K Dad One. <laughs> Dub K Dad One. Mm-hmm. Yep. People love the 
the screen names on Patreon sometimes. Yes. Uh, thank you, Dub K Dad One. We are happy to have you as a part of the Patreon family. And we are still accepting questions for the Ask Me Anything episode. So be sure to go into your Patreon messages and check the message, respond to it with a question that you would like answered on that episode. Please submit them by January 31st. You can also just email us with like subject line, Ask Me Anything or AMA. And sure, we'll- if that's easy. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. yeah. It's easier on Patreon because it's going to be a Patreon only episode. Yeah. So we're really. And it sends it into the same thread. It's yeah. all organized. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to be I, disorganized, I, as soon for as me, I said great. it, I knew you were going to be fucking bummed. Like, no! Yeah. Don't tell them that. Okay, don't email us. Well, you don't have to deal with it. Use I Pat- do. Yeah, so I why would you care? I don't do any of that shit. Yeah. So. Good times. Uh, you can also support the show by uh, pouring more money into Jeff Bezos' pockets. He needs it now more than ever. He's going through a tough divorce. He's going through a tough divorce. He's going to have to give up half to his lovely wife, who he uh, apparently cheated on. So he needs a little bit more money. Allegedly. Yeah. Brittany. Allegedly. 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 Yes. Allegedly. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Ooh, there's a familiar voice. <laughs> yeah. You can go to dollamore.com slash Amazon for that, and we appreciate it very, very much. Dollamocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we have a new inter entrant. Entrant. Entrant, is that right? Marcus, help yes. us. A- entrant, yes. Uh, and a new entrant into the Democratic primary for the 2020 <laughs> race for President of the United States. Well, there's been a lot of speculation as to why you're here tonight. And I just wanted to point out to everybody what could she possibly have to talk about? She was here in November. I mean, November, take out the holidays, you were basically here last week. So, I'm just curious, uh, do you have anything you would like to announce? Yes. And what would that be, madam? I'm filing an exploratory committee for President of the United States tonight. Tonight. I'm going to pause there in the middle of the uh, I'm going to pause in the middle of the applause. Uh, this is Kirsten Gillibrand, by the way. <laughs> yes, I thought they would they would say it. But, yeah. you know, it's not like I prepare the clips and know what they have in them. Yes. OK, well, thank you for telling everybody here. Thank you very much. I, I, I honor that you're here. Um, uh, why do you want to be president of the United States? Well, I'm going to run for president of the United States because as a young mom, I'm going to fight for other people's kids as hard as I would fight for my own, which is why I believe that health care should be a right and not a privilege. It's why I believe we should have better public schools for our kids because it shouldn't matter what block you grow up on. And I believe that anybody who wants to work hard enough should be able to get whatever job training they need to earn their way into the middle class. But you are never going to accomplish any of these things if you don't take on the systems of power that make all of that impossible, which is taking on institutional racism. It's taking on the corruption and greed in Washington, taking on the special interests that write legislation in the dead of night. And I know that I have the compassion 
the courage, and the fearless determination to get that done. So, uh, I don't know. Not, well, a, not a giant fan of uh, the Gillibrand. Well, let's say a little background, uh, which we have been forgetting to do, but we are going to be better about everybody. Uh, she's an American attorney and politician serving as the United States Senator from New York since January t- 2009. Yeah. So she has been um, a senator for a while. She seemed very nervous in this clip when you watch it, especially. She was very nervous. Um, let me let me say this. Something rubbed me the wrong way, and maybe I'm being a little too nitpicky. I will. I'll be the first to agree that could be the case. She said, "And I believe healthcare should be a right. It's either a fucking right or it's not." And I don't know if that if that indicates her thought process on this. The government doesn't make something a right. You have, you know what I mean? Am I, am I being too, am I being a dick about it? The government recognizes certain rights and, and doesn't recognize other ones. Yeah. Um, so she, I mean, I feel like you're parsing a little bit harshly there. Hmm. Well, it's been nice having you, Marcus. (laughs) Uh, no, listen, the, the other thing is we, in, in researching a little bit about her, she, she's held very recently some nutter butter dick face ideas. Well, and she was also on with Jake Tapper today. Jake Tapper had a great show today. He had Rudy. He had Tulsi Gabbard. He had Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah. Um, and he was just uh, really doing work with all of these people. <laughs> but he asked her about her previous um, comments about immigration. Uh, specifically, he said, you have called Donald Trump's positions on immigration and statements on immigration racist. And I just want to read to you some of your previous positions on immigration and, and ask you if these are racist. And she was a firm opponent of granting amnesty to illegal aliens, as she called it in her mailer here from 2008. She said English should be made the official language of the United States. Come on, man. So in 2008, Kristen Gillibrand was like, you better speak English. (laughs) She's one of those morons. It's like, why do I got to push one on an ATM? I shouldn't. I'm in America. Yeah. But again, this was 2008. So we're giving people the room to change. 2008. You you were just lecturing us about giving people the room to change. I get it. Okay. But what I'm saying, we have to use our heads as reasonable people. It's not this on its face that disqualifies her and it doesn't really even disqualify her it's the fact that we're going to have a a field of candidates Mm -hmm. maybe two dozen candidates Mm -hmm. that come out they're going to run is she the best someone who 10 years ago thought that english should be the official language that's something i believed when i was in the marine corps at like 20 years old so she was asked directly about these things like i said and jake tapper said you know, how would you would you say that these are racist as well then? And she said, I would say that they weren't empathetic. They weren't compassionate. And she said, I did not think about the suffering in other people's lives. So it's racist for Donald Trump, but it's just not empathy, empathetic when it comes to her. I think the line that she drew between her statements and his is that he is ratcheting up fear of other. Yeah. And that she was 
articulating positions, but not necessarily ratcheting up the fear. Yeah, and I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I, th- I think her answers were pretty good in response to these. And I mean, this is going to happen. Reporters are digging up past yeah, statements, yeah, yeah. digging up all of this stuff. I mean, there was this was a photocopy of a mailer that that she had. Um, so this is going to be happening and, and they have to have answers for it. And I think it was a pretty, pretty good answer. But Marcus, you have any thoughts on uh, Senator Gillibrand? Yeah. And, and, you know, so her when she had some of these um, less progressive views, she was in the U.S. House um, in, I think, northern uh, New York, which is going to be more more toward the right. Um, And then when she she started adjusting these views when she got into the Senate Um, and that that could have to do with like which electorate she has to pander to for voters for voters. Sure. Yeah. Um, And also the, the length of her term also. Right, exactly. And and but it, it makes me wonder, is is she just flapping in the political winds here? Like, yeah, this is just is this principled or um, or, or not? And the concerning thing for me is that is she is she just another Hillary Clinton with, uh, you know, a little less baggage, but, um, you know, the same sorts of, of issues of sort of taking on whatever position, you know, people want to hear. I think it's a it's a valid concern and uh, a worthy question to ask because did she really believe that then? Because if she didn't, but she stood for it, that means it was just based on political expediency, and that's kind of a problem. Yeah, she she does have the lowest Trump score from five thirty eight, so that's how often a member votes in line with Trump's position mm-hmm. um, with eleven point six percent. And just for comparison, like Elizabeth Warren has twelve point eight percent. So that's maybe something that she has going for her, uh, where she's not voting with Trump yeah. most of the time. Yeah, I mean that that I mean your record is something that you should be held to, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe she's cleaned up her act. And I even mean, that's her that's her record now, right? Yeah, that's but, right. You know, she had she had like a high rating from the NRA when she was in the house, and now now she doesn't. You know. Yeah, uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna d- take a little deeper dive. It's just gonna take a little a little time. Yeah, and this is the unfortunate thing about people changing their minds and wanting to give them the space to do that, because with politicians, it's politically motivated in a lot of cases. And how do you negotiate that? How do you determine whether or not someone's being genuine? And someone is not. I mean, I would kind of want to hear someone uh, treat themselves the way that Jesse D just treated himself when he was talking about his previous views. I was stupid. I, you know, I I kind of want to hear that from people because I do the same thing um, with the indoctrination I received as a child. It it should be easy to denounce previous positions if they were really that terrible. But then again, they probably don't want to alienate some of those people that hold those beliefs still. Well, I think I know people who look at themselves from 10 years ago when they did dipshit things and think that they're the same person that on this continuum, it's the same. Per- I don't look at it that way. I look at that myself 20 years ago as a fucking dickhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was Jesse D, but not really. You know what I mean? I think maybe this is more of a philosophical question of, are you still, are you that person? Mm-hmm. And I- I'm not defined by those, those opinions. And what's the saying? If you uh, if you're the the same person you were five years ago, there's a fucking problem. If you're not cringing over shit you said and did ten years ago, that's a problem. Yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's you know it's good that we 
we almost pushed back the episode with Marcus because nothing has been going on, mm. you know, with <laughs> the bar hearing and Giuliani saying that uh, that he never said there was collusion. But when the campaign, I never said there wasn't any collusion with the campaign. Right. But before we get to that, I do want to play a little clip that kind of informs my lack of uh, paranoia about Barr, the, the attorney general nominee. And this is an exchange between um, Lindsey Graham, the the now chairman of the Judiciary Committee. It's no longer Chuck Grassley from Iowa. Chuck Grassley from Iowa. (laughs) It's now uh, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. You say you've known Mueller a long time. Would you say you have a close relationship with Mr. Mueller? I would say we were good friends. Would you say... uh that you understand him to be a fair-minded person? Absolutely. Do you trust him to be fair to the president and the country as a whole? Yes. When his report comes to you, will you share it with us as much as possible? Consistent with the regulations and the law, yes. Do you believe Mr. Mueller would be involved in a witch hunt against anybody? I don't, I don't believe Mr. Mueller would, would uh, be involved in a witch hunt. What are the circumstances that would... Uh, allow a special counsel to be appointed, generally speaking? Well, I appointed uh, three, Mr. Chairman, a special counsel. And, and, and generally, when, when something comes up, an issue comes up that needs to be investigated, and there are good reasons to have it investigated by a special counsel outside the normal chain at the department, someone usually of public stature that can provide additional assurance of nonpartisan. Do you believe that Attorney General Sessions had a conflict because he worked on the Trump campaign? Uh, I'm not sure of all the facts, but I, I think he probably did the right thing recusing himself. Uh, I agree. I think he did the right thing to recuse himself. Do you know Rod Rosenstein? Yes, I do. What's your opinion of him? I have a very high opinion of Rod Rosenstein and his service in the department. Why did you write the memo? Uh, I wrote the memo because uh, starting, I think, in June of 2017, there were many news reports, and, and, and I had no facts, and none of us really outside the department have facts. But I read a lot of news reports suggesting that there were a number of potential obstruction theories that were being uh, contemplated uh, or at least explored. One theory in particular uh, that appeared to be under consideration under a specific statute concerned me because I thought it would involve stretching the statute beyond what was intended and would do it in a way uh, that would have serious adverse consequences for all agencies that are involved in the administration of justice, especially the Department of Justice. And I thought it would have a chilling effect going forward over time. And my memo is very clear. That is the concern that was driving me. The, the impact, not the particular case, but its impact of a rule over time. And I wanted to make sure that before anyone went down this path, if that was in fact being considered, that the full implications of the theory were carefully thought out. So I wanted my views to get in front of the people who would be involved in, and the various lawyers who would be involved in those discussions. So he's a process guy. I think he does have uh, an, an underlying loyalty to the Department of Justice and how it runs. 
I'm not alarmed based on a lot of the answers here. I didn't watch all of the hearings, but I watched a great deal of it. And as as with um, with Bart O'Kavanaugh, <laughs> there was a lot of ob- obfuscation. There was a lot of um, trying to run out the clock and not give straight answers. I didn't find that to be the case with Barr. Mm-hmm. He seemed to me to answer questions head on and not, not trying to be shady or sly at all. He was pretty, pretty, pretty upfront. Yeah, this was actually a criticism that um, Senate Democrats had, and they tweeted it saying that carefully choreographed statements won't fly. Basically, um, yeah, I didn't, so I didn't, that, that didn't uh, resonate with me. It I, didn't seem that way for me. Yeah, I think their perception was that it wasn't that he. <laughs> was being genuine it was that he was too calm and collected because he had practiced what the right answers should be a little too much so he can't win there's no way for him to win that's one way to put it i guess huh you know listen how what do you think about rod rosenstein i i have a very high opinion of him and his service to the department i don't know i uh, Again, you know, these are all individuals that I would have probably very severe policy disagreements with, but um, I don't know that he's going to torpedo the Mueller investigation. And for, for me, that's the most important thing, because we need to get to the tr- to the truth, mm-hmm. to the facts about what a danger Donald Trump is to the nation, mm-hmm. because I think there are, you know, conspiratorial type bullshit that has gone on and we need to fucking find out. What do you think, Marcus? Am I way off base? How off base am I, Marcus? <laughs> no, I don't think you're off base. Um, I mean, so the first concern is the damage Donald Trump is doing uh, to the country and, and getting at um, the truth with regard to that. Um, but we don't want to uh, get suckered in to an Overton window type effect where we... I don't know what that is. Uh, Overton window is where... Um, if, if you're talking, looking at like a left, right spectrum, if someone, um, is, is, um, taking very far, you know, uh, wingnut views on one side, it tends to pull the center to oh, that direction. I, yeah. Um, and we, we've seen that happen a lot, um, with, um, with this presidency. Um, and so what I don't want to have happen is that, um, you know, Bill Barr's, um, terrible neoconservative views, being seen as as sort of innocuous or not important just because Trump is so much worse, um, and so that that's more that's my concern. But I, I agree. Yeah, I think that's valid. I think that's valid. We, yeah, we don't we don't need to be like losing our shit over him though. Yeah, that's good. Marcus is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you uh, What are you doing on a twice weekly basis? Uh, <laughs> I think Brittany might be uh, retiring. Wanting to wanting to get out of here. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, I'm always prepared. Right. <laughs> How dare you? Not Brittany. <laughs> I'm not prepared. <laughs> Unbelievable. So uh, the other thing that happened this week is Rudy Giuliani. And first, before we play this and, and talk about it. Oh, God. Ru- Rudy Giuliani is, this is a calculated thing that he does. He does. He is not such a, a dullard that he goes out and accidentally says something to, to a reporter on TV. Mm-hmm. This is a calculated effort that he's going to say what he's going to say. He might look like a crazy person with his wide-eyed maniac glare and constant licking. Yeah, but he he is a he is a former federal prosecutor. He ran the largest city in the United States. 
He's not a dummy. So before we play it, I just wanted that on the record. But here is Giuliani with Chris Cuomo on CNN, who's starting to grow on me, by the way, saying that he never said there was no collusion in the campaign. Mr. Mayor, false reporting is saying that nobody in the campaign had any contacts with Russia. False reporting is saying that there has been no suggestion of any kind of collusion between the campaign and any Russians. Because now you have Paul Manafort giving poll data I, I that winds said, up leading to this coincidence. Well, you just misstated my position. I never said there was no collusion between the campaign or between people in the campaign. Yes, I you have. I have no idea if there, I have not. I said the you, president of the United States. There is not a single bit of evidence the president of the United States committed the only crime you could commit here, conspired with the Russians to hack the DNC. First of all, crime is not the bar of accountability for a president. It's about what you knew, what was right and what was wrong, and what did you deceive about. Those are going to be major considerations. The president did not He said nobody had any contact, tons of people had contact. Nobody colluded. The guy running his campaign was working on an issue at the same time as the convention. He said he didn't. He didn't say nobody. How would you know that nobody in your campaign? He actually did say that, Rudy. He said well, I nobody. Said and then he said, as far as I know. He said that. He said it in a. Gen- well, as far as he knows, that's true. As I don't know as that the it's president true. President knows, and as far as I How know, how did Paul Manafort do all these things and nobody else knew? He was only there for six months or four months. He was there for months. the convention when they changed the platform. Yeah, and he, he was gave busy. the polling data, Cambridge Analytica. You don't have the same questions about and they them ended that up, you do and about they the ended dossier. Up, and they ended up. How about reporting this? And they ended up with a stronger platform on Ukraine than they started with. By no, they the time didn't. They were finished. They wanted. Yes, to, they did. They wanted to put in there that we would give lethal. You know, help with lethal weaponry, and they right. changed it to soften and they it to took say, it out, and then they put it put back in that they were going to give substantial help to right, Ukraine, but not the same. Which it was, was not in the Democratic soft. platform. It by the way. was softened. Who did which it? Was not and why the they did it? Platform. We don't yet know. And the president had no knowledge of that. I happen to know that. I he didn't know about, about his own it. party's platform. <laughs> Chris, come on. You've been around politics. You know, candidates don't know a damn thing about the platform. They don't pay any attention to I the I was platform. raised by a guy who would have corrected the punctuation well, uh, in the Mario party platform. maybe was different. But I've been with a lot of presidents and a lot of presidential campaigns. And the platform, they pay no attention to. They care about their acceptance speech. That's where they're spending right. their time on. Fine. They but make sure that, that the made, There are two coincidences to answer for. The first one is, is Manafort is viable at the head of the campaign when that's going on. Then... He's viable at the head of the campaign, giving polling data that winds up having the same faces and places targeted by the campaign that are targeted by Russian trolls. How is that not collusion? It's not collusion. How is it not? (laughs) Polling data is given to everybody. I mean, he shouldn't have given it to them. It's wrong to give it to them. It's not given to everybody. And I can't speak for Paul Manafort. Of course it is. Uh, First of all, the most inappropriate, the most inaccurate stuff is internal polling data. All of it is cooked. They, to wound, up, they wound up coming to the same conclusions about whom to target and where. Well, if you God. give people who are trying to interfere in election information not, about where to target and whom, you don't see that as collusion. Not with the president of the United States, not with Donald it's, Trump. Donald with, Trump at a minimum with his campaign. And the he question know, becomes, what know, did the president know. know? He and I didn't know about that until... You, I'm not saying you did. I'm I asking about the president. he didn't. He did not know about it until it was revealed a few weeks ago in an article. One, uh, that is bullshit. Number two, it doesn't matter. Rudy's trying to blur the line here by saying, well, I didn't know that. Well, I never said that. It doesn't fucking matter 
that Rudy Giuliani said no collusion. It only matters, because he's the attorney, it only matters what Donald Trump has said. However, Rudy Giuliani absolutely has agreed that no one on the campaign colluded with Russia, and here is the proof. Is it still the position of you and your client that there was no collusion with the Russians whatsoever on behalf of the Trump campaign? Correct. Correct. Is it true? Is that your position? Correct. More important, though, is Donald goddamn Trump, who has said maybe 10,000 times, maybe more than anything else he said, is no collusion. No collusion doesn't mean no collusion with me. No collusion means no collusion. There is no collusion between me and my campaign and the Russians. No collusion whatsoever? There has been no collusion, no collusion. They all say there's no collusion, and there is no collusion. I can only say this, there was absolutely no collusion. It has been determined that there is no collusion. When they have no collusion, and nobody's found any collusion, there was no collusion uh, with Russia, if you can believe this one. Nothing, no collusion, no nothing. To say it one time again, and I say it all the time, uh, there was no collusion. Everybody knows there was no collusion whatsoever. They have found no collusion and they won't find collusion. There have been a lot of criticisms about having Rudy Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani on these shows. And I think that this illustrates the benefit of having Rudy Giuliani on these shows. It depends on who he's talking to, for sure. Yeah, to but, hold his feet to the fire. But Chris Cuomo is definitely very capable in this regard. And the goalposts keep moving. Right. The yeah. story keeps changing. Things keep shifting. And I think even though it is maddening to watch him go on these shows and, and talk um, and he just gets to lie and it, it's a bummer. We also get to hear how the story changes. And I think that that is valuable, too. Uh, yeah, I tend to agree. Um, but, but before I get into that, I think um, it's important to note that uh, it's almost it's, it's almost too bad that this podcast is, is audio only, because um, if, if you watch the clip. Um, Cuomo's face when Giuliani says <laughs> I never said no collusion is classic yeah it's, for he, sure this is like, like he he continues to be able to be shocked by Giuliani um, <laughs> by by just how ridiculous Giuliani is is willing to be um, but yeah it you know Giuliani looks like a buff buffoon, but he is actually doing real damage. He's, he's sly he's, like a fox or whatever. Yeah, he? yeah. I mean, he's just like Baghdad Kellyanne Conway yeah. um, before him, gaslighting the whole country um, and, and really attacking the very idea of truth. It's And, and that's the scary part is it's, it appears to be working. Ugh. It is uh, it, it is a sight to behold. And the, the thing is, is I... I never thought this type of thing, the, the the effect that they are having, the impact they are having on people's perception of the truth, I never thought it would be as as easily done as what they're doing because people really believe nonsense shit that is easy to verify. And it's because of the fact the the total assault on facts and data and 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 the real deal. Of reality, fucking reality. Mm -hmm. So the other thing that we're not going to get too deep into is this BuzzFeed thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they reported that Donald Trump directed Michael Cohen to lie to Congress relative to the Moscow uh, real estate deal. Mm -hmm. The special counsel came out and made a statement. Which is very unheard of. 
yeah, very, very um, rare for them to make public pronouncements about anything. Mm -hmm. But this is some of the language, and I want to talk about this because I don't think this is a full-throated denial of the story. And the media really has kind of turned on BuzzFeed. And I don't have any loyalty to BuzzFeed one way or the other. I mean, they make some nice list videos on YouTube. But this is the language that I think leaves room for the BuzzFeed story to be true. Quote, BuzzFeed's description of specific statements to the special counsel's office and characterization of documents and testimony obtained by this office regarding Michael Cohen's congressional testimony are not accurate. So what is not accurate? The description of the statements is not not accurate. And their characterization of certain documents. This isn't a total no. This is, eh, they didn't explain some of this stuff right. Mm -hmm. Their characterization of things isn't what exactly how we think it is. You yeah, know? yeah. So I get where you're coming from. I think we don't see eye to eye on this entirely because that was nice having you, Brittany. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good luck, Marcus. Um, so hello, Marcus. <laughs> number one, I want to say everyone has been uh, shitting on BuzzFeed because they keep saying, "Oh yeah, the organization with the which cat am I quizzes is breaking the news." Yeah, yeah. And there really is a difference between BuzzFeed, yes. which has the Harry Potter character quizzes and the I don't know what reptile are you quizzes, yeah, dumb shit. Um, and BuzzFeed News, which, For sure. which has had eight Pulitzer Prize nominations in the past two years. Very reputable people working over there, right? So I think that's important to note because many people have been trying to just write it off as though it's BS, just based on it coming from BuzzFeed. And the other thing I would say is I want to toot our horn a little bit because we we did not go. <laughs> Thank you. Proceed. It's the first time it's happening for me. <laughs> um, we we did not go crazy with this. We did not go crazy posting about it, saying that this is it, everybody. You know? Yeah. We were like, okay, here we go, folks. I think that's all we wrote when we posted the actual article. And then we were quick to note that, the, that Mueller had released a statement, Mueller's office. Yeah. So... Tooting our own horn, horn a little bit. We didn't go crazy. And I think that that's important for us all to kind of check ourselves, right? Based on what happened here. So BuzzFeed came out with this article. It's anonymous sourcing. They were doing interviews, but no one else was able to back this up. The New York Times yeah. wasn't. Washington Post wasn't. That was the most problematic element for me is the fact that there wasn't corroboration by other independent news outlets. Right. So that should have given everyone a bit of pause. Now, I'm not saying that we can completely disregard the story. I'm for sure not saying that. But I think everyone should be really careful here and not necessarily take it as truth yet until we do get some corroboration or more information. Can I make a prediction? Yeah. Ultimately, I believe BuzzFeed will be vindicated. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't have any any evidence of that. I just... Looking at the landscape here of what took place mm -hmm. and this very carefully worded, lawyerly worded uh, denial by the special counsel's office, I am making a, a completely baseless prediction here and uh, estimation of the situation. So this is, I'm not reporting anything that I know, but I think that the, the special counsel's office might be trying to cover 
what they know a little bit mm -hmm. in order to lull Donald Trump into a false sense of security so he doesn't freak out and do something uh, that would thrust us into a more of a constitutional crisis than we find ourselves now. Mm -hmm. So, Marcus, how wrong is Jesse in his prediction? <laughs> actually, actually, I think I think he's. Um, I, I actually tend to agree. And if I if I can, I want to kind of detour and uh, take a nerdy detour here yeah. and um, and and jump into my sort of um, pet topic of of evidence based beliefs. Um, and part of that is understanding that all conclusions are tentative, and that you can believe things with different amounts of certainty. Right. So this is a case where. It's pro I feel like it's reasonable to believe the thrust of the reporting to be true at a lower level of certainty. So like if you're going to put a number on it, you know, 55, 60% or something like that, you're just over the 50% mark of where you could say, I, I think I might believe it, um, but you're not super certain of it. And, and the reason for that is, is we have a lot of context that comes along with all of this. Um, so um, there is no way in hell that Trump didn't know about the Moscow Tower deal and wasn't involved ongoing because he's a notorious micromanager. Yeah. We know this about him. Yeah. Um, furthermore, him directing a sub subordinate to lie under oath is 100% on brand for Trump, for Trump right? So <laughs> all, of these, all of these claims are totally plausible and make total sense in context of everything else we know. So we don't know it 100% to be true yet, um, but I agree. I bet you this is, is vindicated at least in large part um, in the coming months. Um, but but I, I also agree we should we should wait, um, you know, until it's until it's got really good confirmation before we start uh, making a huge deal out of it. Well, I, I like that. It's like a blend of what we said. It's I like, like a little blend summary. I like I, I it. I really do like yeah. this, the spectrumizing. I'm making up words here. The yeah. spectrumizing of it, you mm -hmm. know, creating a spectrum. Yeah. You, you can have different degrees of certainty and still believe something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. yes. I mean, this is actually how our beliefs work. We don't always think about it explicitly in this way, um, but there there can be a lot of benefit to to thinking about it in that way. How dare you tell me how my beliefs work? <laughs> <laughs> it's not me it's the research sorry <laughs> well we could talk about this dumbass kid and the nonsense that went on at the lincoln memorial yesterday but i'm going to uh i'm gonna forego that because mm -hmm. we're going long and uh this has been a fantastic outing yes with marcus for sure Bringing a lot to the table, Marcus. We really appreciate it. Are you from North Carolina, Marcus? Not originally. Originally from Michigan. I moved here about three years ago. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> I've spent a lot of time in Michigan. Yep. Several yep. summers. Several summers in Michigan in uh, Grand Rapids. That's the time to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and even the UP, the Upper Peninsula, for those who are uninitiated. Yep. Mm, look at you. Calumet. Absolutely. Would have yourself some pasties up there. Yeah, and... over the over the Mackinac Bridge, Brittany. Wow, yep. the Calumet where they have copper in the streets. Ooh, mm, yeah. Look That's at right. you, copper all over the place. And the Mackinac Bridge is longer than the uh, the the bridge in San Francisco. There, the um, the Golden Gate. The Golden Gate Bridge is longer than the Golden Gate Bridge. The, and it's longer than closer. the bridge in San Francisco. There, he says. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. <laughs> I might have screwed up a little bit on this podcast, I, I admit. <laughs> um, but hey, I enjoyed thinking uh, out loud in real time and in public. Um, 
but ho hopefully I've managed to express myself reasonably well. Um, so, uh, so thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure new listener communication will end with uh, Marcus is the best part. <laughs> wow. Wow. You are aggressive, sir. You see him priming the pump there? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. You, the fix is in. Yeah. Now he's going to call all his, now he's going to call all his friends and like, Hey, call this number. And say Marcus is the best part. Hey, I would love to see the sheet in front of Marcus with his notes, and it just had that one line that he had to get in. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is fantastic. Listen, we we love and appreciate you, Marcus. Thank you. For, I mean, that's I didn't know that you had been listening for for four years or so. I mean, we've been since the beginning. March of 2019 will be five years, mm -hmm. and if you've been listening for four years, that's early. You've you've watched the transformation from what it was to what it is, and that's uh, very for sticking around. Very frightening for Brittany, but not so much for <laughs> me. So thank you. We are going to see you, audience. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you, uh, you your feedback, and we would love to hear from you. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. That is where you can leave a fewer than three minute voicemail. Google Voice loves the three-minute limit, and we do too. You can also uh, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, Marcus, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Jesse says what I feel, and Brittany says what I think. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.